Hello, and welcome to the Bikes for Death podcast. My name is Patrick, and I am your host. And I'd like to start off today's episode by thanking our newest patrons. We've had a few sign up since last episode, so I'd like to give a shout out to Kevin B., Trent P., and Ryan L. I appreciate you guys stepping up to support the show and getting us closer to the goal of reaching $500 a month on Patreon. Currently, we're at 430 When we hit that magical $500 number, I'm going to create a separate podcast called Shifting Gears that's going to be just for patrons as a way to say thank you. It's going to be a little bit different than the format that I have here on Bikes for Death. The reason it's called Shifting Gears is because it can go in a lot of different directions. So ultimately, I'm probably going to let the patrons run that show and dictate you know, who my guests are, what the topics are, and I'm just going to kind of do whatever they want me to do because really it's about saying thank you to them. So if you're a patron, thank you. Hopefully we'll get to that number soon. And if you would like to help support the show, the easiest way to find patron is to head over to bikesordeath.com. There's a link there. There's also a link to PayPal, which allows you to submit a one-time donation. And you can also check out the merchandise. We got all kinds of great goodies there that allows you to support the show, kick a few dollars our way. And also lets everybody else know that you're repping Bikes for Death. And that's what you're about. Bikes are life. It's a lifestyle. It's what we do. It's who we are. Thanks for repping the gear. I always love to see people out there with patches, stickers, shirts, whatever it is. Super cool. Thanks for spreading the stoke. And lastly, the easiest way to support the show is to simply go to iTunes and leave a five-star review. It is super important to help the show stay current, stay topical, and let the algorithms and little robots know that people do like the show, they are listening, and other people should listen too. So that's just the way the world works. And if you can help leave a little review with five stars next to it, that would be ever so appreciated. All right. Well, listen, I do have an opportunity for listeners. If you have a message or if you would like to share something with the Bikes for Death audience, there's going to be some opportunities coming up for that. I'm going to talk about all of that after the show. But if you fancy yourself as uh, somebody who would like to contribute, who has an idea or whatnot, and would like to contribute something or share something with the Bikes for Death audience, stick around because we got some opportunities. I get lots of messages from people about want to be a guest and who I should interview and all this stuff. But unfortunately, I'm only one person and I get a lot of requests. So it's hard to, well, it's impossible to accommodate everybody and to interview everybody, but there's a lot of important stories out there. So yeah, stick around after the episode if you're interested in that. But if you're not, I'm not going to waste your time with it right now. No advertisers today, no sponsors. Today's episode is brought to you by you. Y'all are the best. You're supporting the show 100% today. Always much appreciated. So without further ado, my guest today is Aaron Chamberlain. You may have heard about him recently. He just finished circumnavigating Texas via a bicycle. He wrote an article or several articles, I should say, for Texas Monthly, who is his employer. So for these couple months that he was out there, he somehow talked his employer into paying him to go ride his bike around the circumference of Texas and write an article about it, which is obviously very cool on a lot of levels. Uh, it's always so cool whenever I see people who are able to merge their passions with their jobs and make something really cool and special happen like this. I think the creativity and the entrepreneurship to like go and seek something out like this and to bend the ear of his employer. And we'll, we talk about it, so I won't get too much into it, but I always have respect when people are able to do that. And then also just becoming probably the first person to ever circumnavigate the state of Texas on a bicycle. We talk about the maybe and the asterisk mark on this episode as well. It was truly an amazing feat. In 2019, he rode every street in his home city of Austin, Texas, which was like 4,000 something miles, something insane like that. After that, he went bigger. So he did the whole freaking state of Texas, which is pretty great. Anyway, I had a great chat with him. We found a quiet park in Austin, beautiful weather, and we had a great conversation. So without further ado, let's have Miles Arbor take it away with the Bikes or Death theme song. You load up your bike, you ride away from home. You could be with your friends or you could be alone. You ride for a day or maybe more. You just love being in the 
the great outdoors. Everything you need is strapped to your bars, including that new pillow you got from Santa Claus. And then you think, oh shit to yourself. You let that super lightweight tent on the living room shelf. Bikes. All right. Well, today, ladies and gentlemen, I have with me Aaron Chamberlain. We're sitting in, where are we? Mueller Park. In Mueller Lake Park. Mueller Lake Park in Austin, Texas. Oh, and I brought him a beer, so cheers. cheers. I'm going to make you pick it up and cheers <laughs> because uh, you are the Austin beer guide and also the first man to ever circumnavigate the state of Texas on a bicycle. Yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> that's what you thought. That, well, that, when I set out to do it, I was, you know, I did my due diligence and looked around, tried to find anything, anybody talking about doing it or riding around Texas or whatever. And it wasn't until I got back that someone wrote, um, I wrote a series of stories for Texas Monthly about the ride. And there was a, a guy in 2000, 2005 who actually set out to do it. And I guess he did it twice, but it wasn't quite the same ride that I did. Like he didn't go down to Big Bend. So maybe you don't call it a full circumnavigation, but uh, but it's pretty close. And, yeah, uh, he 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 was doing it to like he had cancer at one point, so he was doing it to like raise cancer fund. Oh wow! So, I mean, it was a, it was a, it was so the idea was out there, I guess, but you know, back in the early 2000s. Yeah. So that's probably why I couldn't find it online. Does he have any proof? We need to validate his I claims. I know, I know. He, <laughs> I'm he, kidding. He, I'm... No, well, I I did think that. And uh, he wrote a book, apparently, and his kids actually got in touch with us because he passed away in 2011. They're sending it to me, and so I'm going to check it out. And I mean, I don't doubt it happened. Yeah. I, you know, I, I believe him. It's just I want to see where he went and what his route was and how different from mine. Yeah. It's going to, I mean, there's no way it's the exact same route. Yeah, yeah. And I, I mean, I don't know who is the governing body that says which one was a true circumnavigate. Right. And, and then also, I mean, where, where does that go in the record books? I think just in my own head. In your own head. <laughs> it was, that, was that your goal, though? Did you want to be the first to do that? Um, yeah, that's what the, the idea was. When I, so last year, I rode every single street in Texas on my bike. Oh, not Texas, Austin, sorry. Okay. Uh, Every single street in Austin. (laughs) And that was kind of a fun project I worked on with my bike. And when that was finishing up, I wanted to do something, I guess, bigger, but not as long. So, I mean, time-wise. So that's when I thought of doing, you know, riding around the entire perimeter of Texas. And from what I found, nobody had done it. So I was like, oh, whatever I do, as slow as I go, it'll be the fastest (laughs) known time. So... (laughs) When did you come up with the idea to do the Austin, ride every street in Austin? You did that last year, right? That was last year. And that, that came from Ricky Gates, a runner out of, well, he was in San Francisco at the time. He rode, um, or he, he ran, sorry. He ran every single street in San Francisco. And then when he was done, he, you know, he didn't like, I don't remember what it was, 70, 70 days or something, or 40 days. He kind of challenged all his Instagram followers and things like that to, uh, go and do it in their town or their zip code or whatever they, you know, their neighborhood. And so that's when I thought I can do this in Austin, but on my bike. Yeah. You know, I was thinking I've done quite a few podcast episodes at parks in Austin. So now I'm wondering if I should go for the first person <laughs> to ever in, do an interview in every, every Austin single park. park. Yeah. I'm just, I'm, that's my goal. I, I don't know how many parks there are. There's a lot though. There's like five in Mueller. So we could, we could go do them all today. All five in the Mueller. <laughs> there's five parks just here. I'm going to count there's Mueller like some, as one there's park. There's some micro little parks. I'm going to count this as, the big as park. one park. Did you, whenever you did uh, the one in Austin, was it for any other reason than just to have fun? Like, did you write an article about it or anything like that? Um, no, I didn't write an article. I just kind of kept up with it on my Instagram, Strava and stuff like that. It was just for fun. So how many total miles is that? I think that ended up being like, um, just under 4,500 miles. Oh, damn. But I mean, it was over, it was over 11 months, I think. Okay. So it was not quite as intense. It was a lot of, a lot of it ended up being, I'd get up at 4am, drive out to some far distant spot of Austin, ride a neighborhood and then come back and make the kids lunch and then okay. get them off to school. So <laughs> it was not, you know, it wasn't exactly a super fun project all the times, but uh, it was more about just ticking off streets yeah. and getting it done. 
so did you like map it out and have a plan of attack or how'd you like actually yeah, go like about I, doing I it? I had, um, I started with, like, I got a whole map of Austin, put up my garage and I started by drawing off the streets I had done, marking off the streets, but then that just got too tedious. So I found a, like a web app from some, some guy who you could upload all your Strava rides onto one giant map. So then from that map, I would zoom in on a neighborhood or an area and I would print, you know, take a screenshot, print it out and just ride that area until I was done. Yeah. Yeah. How long? Oh, you said it took you 11 months to do yeah, that. Yeah. Man, that's crazy. Are you the first person to do that? I think so. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all about first. <laughs> you just find like random obscure yeah, things that yeah. no one's ever done before. Yeah, I don't do races, but I'll do these things that nobody else would want to do and but be the first person <laughs> i don't i never had the idea to like ride around the state of texas or even like ride every street in my town but i didn't realize i, I guess you were the inspiration for it but uh, i just recently moved back to like my old neighborhood that i grew up when i was like a kid and learned to ride bikes and yeah. stuff and so like i i was like i'm gonna ride every road in this old neighborhood and you know and like it's it's uh yeah it's it, it was fun, like a fun trip down memory lane. But it's also like what Aaron, Eric and I were talking about last night is how how well you like learn the city, you yeah. know, when and like where you live when you just like get on a bike and like go see what's out there. So what did you learn about Austin that you didn't know from doing that? Or what well, was your takeaway from that if you had one? I learned I couldn't climb hills very well. It was on all on my fixed gear. Um, oh, shit. So there's, you know, there's a lot of hills in Austin. And uh, I learned I was a bad climber. But no, I mean, yeah, you just get to know the city better. I mean, you see, you see everything. Yeah. Like, you know, I'm all, you know, I've done every single street and I've seen every, every address in the city, basically. Yeah. So it, it's just kind of interesting. Well, uh, it's interesting when you like go through a city and you're like, you know, I went on a 30 mile ride the other day in, in the town and like you see everything from the nice neighborhoods to the bad neighborhoods yeah. to the, you know, to the trails to the, like you see like so much of the city whenever you like, mm -hmm. and you like get a much better feel for how it's all put together. Yeah. I mean, I also had the thought in my head, like, you know, I used to skateboard. Well, I still skateboard. And it was kind of like spot hunting. You're just looking around for spots and neighborhoods and parts of town that you don't usually go go into. Yeah. So the whole time I was spot hunting um, throughout the city. <laughs> That's funny. I, I Well, I grew up skateboarding and uh, injury to this knee here, at my left knee when I was 21. I was like, nope, that's it. I didn't skate for like six months and it still hurt. So I just... I don't know. I decided I was too old, but I know what that's like to like, you just, you're always like looking for that yeah. spot, you know, yeah. you're always like, and for the spot you can like go and they haven't like, you know, fucked up the curve where you can't get on it or right. like, you know, it's hard to find places. An to, open spot. <laughs> well, like, I don't know. I mean, where I live now, man, there's skate parks. Like we didn't have a skate park when I was growing yeah. up. Now there's like an actual skate park. So. Yeah, we had one in like 20 minutes from my house. And you had to pay like $15 to get into it. So, <laughs> so did you find some sweet skate spots? I did. I didn't really, I haven't gone back to any. Just, I, I just been riding my bike so much in the last year and a half. I haven't really skated that much except for in my alley. I gotcha. All right. So after you finished the Ride Every Road in Austin, when did you have the idea to do the Circumnavigate Texas and how long before you actually like did it? Yeah, that was towards the end of the, that project, so it was probably December, you know, and I was thinking about it over Christmas break, so I started basically just planning the route, like, or the early stages, and, you know, telling my wife and my kids about it, and my, the whole time my, my daughter was saying, you're not doing that, Dad, you're not doing that. Like, How old's your daughter? She's eight. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> she, and I was just like, okay, okay, like, I know, I'm probably not going to do it, but this is just like an idea, you know, or like a dream, whatever. But I basically planned it out, and by January I had a plan, um, like or a route. You know, I just I just went from city to city about doing you know 50 to 70 miles a day, not getting into like where I'd stay or anything, but just kind of from what city to what city it, it would be and what all the way around. Yeah. And I was not going to be doing any gravel roads really or dirt roads, so just like decent roads and you know mostly roads I could see on Google Street View. Mm. Just so I could tell, like, is this going to be rideable? Or is this, yeah. You know? Well, I wanted, actually, I'd love to know more about how you actually went about building the route and what you were looking for in the yeah. route and all that. Yeah, early on, I was still planning on doing that on my fixed gear bike. Mm. And <laughs> I'm glad I did not do that. Although I was listening to that, 
your podcast with the guy that was his name Matt oh, Fixie Dave Fixie Dave yeah yeah and I was like I should have done a fixed gear uh, <laughs> um, I was like he could do the all tour these, divide yeah, yeah tour divide on a fixed gear I could do this route sixty six yeah that guy um, crazy so maybe next time we'll do a fixed gear uh, so yeah <laughs> you'd um, definitely be the first to do that <laughs> yeah so you know. You know, my friends were like, get a different bike, you know, get someone to give you a bike or buy a new bike. So, yeah, I was looking for decent roads to ride on, not crazy highways or anything. Just, you know, it'd be great if we could find back roads and everything. Yeah. But, I mean, that's why you look at the map and it's, you know, especially in the in the panhandle, like where I cut down to Dalhart, you know, you, I kind of cut off the tip of the northwest corner of the panhandle. And I was expecting to get more grief about that, but no one, no one's really said anything about it. Uh, the, I was just people like, you didn't really do it. You, you missed a spot. Blah, blah, blah. And there's definitely spots where I, I missed, you know, like going from uh, Rio Grande City to Laredo. You, there's a mine, mines road and it's all gravel. Okay. And it's like hundred miles. And that takes you just along, you're like right on the border. And instead of that, I kind of did a detour around back to just so I could, be on better roads basically highways yeah and um but yeah that's how i would use google maps i use strava routes i would use Komoot. i just kind of look at uh, each one of those and between the three i kind of figure out which one looked the best to me as far as um uh writability. and you know google street view i was able to get down there and like yeah. I just drop my pin every few miles to see like you know, even what traffic looked like, um, things yeah. like that. Man, so. I was talking to this about it uh, with Eric last time when we were chatting about it, how technology has made planning yeah. routes like so much easier. And I mean, you get on, like you said, Google Street View and just drive down a street and check mm -hmm. it out. Check out. You can even see like the, what the speed limit is if there's a shoulder, like yeah. all that, all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, shoulders. What I was looking for. There's roads that I decided not to do, but I ended up doing anyway. Because the the roads that I did pick were going to be bad. This is like all in the Permian Basin, which is like a nasty place to ride. Not not recommended. Um, Why? It's just it's all oil field traffic. Yeah, yeah. Huge trucks. The smallest trucks. It's all are, oil field yeah. roads too. Yeah, and... the smallest trucks that are out there are just huge like uh, dually trucks, you know. And then, then there's eighteen wheelers and big um, sand trucks and things like that. Yeah. Trucks you, you never oh, see around gosh. here. So how'd they treat you? Pretty well. I mean, they, I mean, I've had I had really good luck. Obviously, I, um, only a few close passes and things like that. But a lot of truckers passed me on this trip, and ninety-five percent of them were great. Like most moved over, gave me space. So yeah. I can't really complain too much about the traffic. Well, that's good. So how did the did the road actually go? Or did the route go? Were you able to ride it, or how many detours did you have to make? Or it through the Permian Basin was one detour I, I ended up doing, which actually I saved a day which I used in the desert later on going to El Paso. Um, so instead of going down south from Kermit to Pecos, I just cut across through the Permian Basin and then up north to Orla, which Orla is like this nothing. To, it's, it's, it's got two gas stations. It's the only thing, and, and it's all oil field traffic. And so by doing that detour, I was able to have an extra day from the Guadalupe Mountains National Park mm -hmm. to El Paso, which is, which is like 100 miles and it's just desert, so I was glad to have... And at that point, I had my brother-in-law with me, so he was able to, like... I rode for a day, and he picked me up, and we went into El Paso, and then we came back to the spot okay. I stopped at, and I finished off the desert to El Paso. Was that because of supplies or safety, or...? Um, I mean, I guess I... I mean, I wasn't planning on having him there. I was going to just sleep somewhere out there. Yeah. Like, that was the idea. I was just happy not to have to do that. I was lucky. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you do that, like, I'm curious how this worked out. So you work for Texas Monthly. Correct. Did an article for them. So, I mean, like, was this part of your job? Did you pitch this to them? Like, Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm kind of curious how that goes. Yeah, down. so I, it took two months. So I was off, well, I wasn't off where I was out of town for two months. So my job is, I don't, I'm not a writer for them. I'm in production. So... I ha I first pitched it to the edit, edit department. I said I already do some beer writing for the for uh, Texas Monthly once in a while, so I, I approached my editor, who I usually write beer stuff for, and I asked them. I said they knew about my project last year, and I had kind of been teasing this idea about going around Texas. And you know we cover everything Texas, so it seemed like a perfect idea for mm. Texas Monthly. 
And so I told them, you know, I kind of pitched the idea of riding around Texas and then just kind of doing a diary or uh, dispatch. You know, I, I originally said every other day uh, I'll turn something in. And they're like, no, I'll just do it weekly. That's fine. So, so once they were okay with it, I went. I had to go to my boss basically in production and make sure they were cool, like me taking off for two months. Yeah. And, you know, obviously we're in a weird time right now. We're COVID, so um, we're all working from home, from home anyway. Right. Like nobody was really in the office, so I kind of used that to my advantage. I said, you know, I can still be available in the afternoons if you need help with, you know, production work or things like that. As far as we um, approve every page for Texas Monthly before it goes to the printer, so, you know, I'll be available on deadline weeks. So anytime you need me, like, I'm pretty much available. I'm just going to be riding in the mornings. Afternoons, I'm yours. That's ambitious. Yeah, it was that not That sounds a good like a lot, of, a lot of work. Did they hold you to that? Like, were you literally having no, to they, work? No, they were uh, pretty kind about it. Uh, <laughs> they knew they could contact me, but I feel like they didn't lean on me as much as they might have if I was in town. Yeah. So well, that, that nice. helped out. Was writing the article part of your job then? Like, did you technically, convince... Technically, for those two months, it was, yeah. yeah. So you were a professional cyclist for two months of your life. Yeah, that's what I was telling some people. That's what, I, my wife. That's what like, I look I'm at. I'm pro. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm pro now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, dude, it's so interesting uh, how people are able to, like, go on these trips because you're like, dude, how do people, like, do this? And I, that's one thing... Like whenever I started a question or a podcast, I always want to ask people that question. Like, how do you do this? Because most people have a job, yeah. and 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 oftentimes I find that they just figured out a creative way to mm -hmm. to make it work. You know, was there any like concern from your work uh, of you like getting injured? Yeah, I kind of told a little white lie. I said I'm already riding every single day for um, like I'm riding every sixty miles every day anyway around town which I wasn't, I was like, you know, I was doing maybe 20, 30 miles a day, but I told them I was already out there on a bike. So I might as well be riding around somewhere else and giving content for the website. Yeah. And so they're like, Oh, okay. Sounds good. That, that seemed to, uh, that's a good point. I mean, if you're riding your bike every day, I mean, it's like, well, I can ride my bike every day here. Yeah, you're, already, you're already putting yourself in danger. So anywhere you are, I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, I, I have, I've had more close encounters just downtown Austin. Oh, geez, you know, yeah. I, like, I was hit by a car, not hard, just, you know, from behind. Um, <laughs> it just, just bumped you a little, <laughs> yeah, huh? Yeah, just bumped me a little bit. So, I mean, that, that was worse than anything I had on the trip. So, I feel like, you know, obviously you... You're out there every day, so it is. There is a danger, obviously, but um. Well, I'm glad it's either out, it's either out there or in town. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, dude, it's it's always a risk. We all know that. So, yeah. but it's. I'm glad. I I was just wondering from like a business if they were like your boss, like I don't know if we, like it's one thing for you to ride your bike around, right? You know, Austin, not affiliated with Texas Monthly, right, but right. then to like be writing an article for, for Texas them, Monthly. You know? yeah. yeah, I don't know. I was just. I know they they. It, that when I told them that they they seemed okay with that. I don't know. I, well, I, th and then I thought I get more like, questions. Then there's like you know COVID going yeah. on, so there that's a consideration. And then safety, like being not uh, getting hit, but you know the safety border, like the going yeah. on uh, across the or uh, along the border of Texas and Mexico. So uh, yeah, I, I mean, I guess I actually kind of want to ask two questions there. I was curious what your employers and what kind of conversations y'all had about that going into it. And or your own personal thoughts, and then like how how did it go? You know. Um, yeah, like there were conversations about COVID risks, and um, uh, you know, they I kind of had to reassure one of the editors. You know, where where would I be staying? And I told them, oh, I'll be camping. Don't worry. Like I'm not going to spend a lot of money. And they're like, we're not worried about money, really. We're worried about you being safe with uh, the coronavirus. And I, and I said, oh yeah, like I mean. I'm going to be, you know, I'm not going to be around a lot of people most of the time, but you know, I will be staying in some hotels and they were, they were worried about central AC. And I said, well, I'm not going to be staying in hotels with central AC. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> and there were none. There was, it was all just in the wall. Um, but, uh, yeah, then, you know, safety as far as like, um, you know, sleeping outdoors and, or being near the border or any other like risky towns, I guess. I don't know. I didn't, I didn't, really think about it too much uh i, I had a few people ask me are you packing what are you what are you yeah. doing and it's like i was like oh yeah i got a machine gun strapped to the <laughs> front of the bike don't worry <laughs> you got a frying pan you'll whop them on the head yeah i mean i just you know it's one of those things that you know about but 
you try not to think about too much. What about like a, a spot tracker or one of the, you know, get out of jail where you push the SOS buttons? Yeah, I didn't have one of those either. And like the time that would have been probably more helpful was, you know, when you're in more areas like, you know, out in the out west pretty much. Right. And, uh, I don't, but all the other times I was, you know, pretty in near civilization, things like that. Well, I mean, yeah, it could be a number of things that could go wrong and you need, yeah. I mean, you know, you don't have cell phone service out in West Texas a lot yeah. of the time, obviously, you know, so, but yeah, I mean, I, I, that's, that's gotta be a consideration though. If you're like going to do this, I mean, you're going through, I mean, the other, the other thing I was thinking about is just like the social and political climate going on. I mean, you got like so much stuff going on and you're, you know, traversing, you know, in the entire state. One of the questions that we got from, uh, from Instagram, it was, uh, uh, monumental loop i think his name is matt he he said uh so do you like texas more or less having ridden the entire perimeter <laughs> and and maybe you could just say like you know what did you take away from it after seeing so much and and seeing so much of texas meaning so many of the different people and like there's so much going on right now it was weird being in some towns or it's they're obviously they're so different from austin or even brownsville where i spent a lot of time because my wife's family's from down there um so like you know on the border you know a lot of it felt like brownsville like i was you know i'm pretty comfortable in that in that type of um city but then like you know places like the panhandle and north texas were pretty different but um you know like you'd go into places and like they'd have signs like no mass free zone and i was like oh, oh really shit. <laughs> like, yeah like they, wait, you were not allowed to wear a mask? That's what they said, but I had my mask on, and I was like, just give me my coffee. And they didn't, oh they didn't, they didn't say anything. Okay. I, and I didn't see it until, like, after I got my coffee. I'm like, I was, like, walking out of my coffee, and I see the sign. It's mask-free zone. I'm like, <laughs> all right. <laughs> so, so, yeah, there's obviously that attitude out there and, you know, the, the, the whole election going on, and everyone's got their sides. But, I mean, you know, I grew up in Florida, so it's kind of a similar situation. Like, I grew up in Orlando. But once you get outside Orlando, it's a lot different. You know, it's rural. Right. And uh, same mean, in Texas, like yeah. I mean, like East Texas felt like, and I went to school in Mississippi, so it felt pretty comfortable for me in East Texas, or not comfortable, just familiar. And uh, but also, you know, I said this in my article, my last article, like it's also comfortable for me because I am, you know, I'm white man, white male, heterosexual cis guy, so. It's not that it's easy, but it's e a lot easier for me than a lot of other people. It would be for a lot of other people. Yeah. So even, you know, especially during times like these, possibly. Now, that was always kind of in my head uh, as I was riding riding around Panhandle and places like that. Yeah. So did you, uh, did you come away with, like, a better feeling about... I mean, yeah, I, I, enjo I enjoyed parts of every place I went through. Yeah. Um, and then, like, people... I mean, people I met were you know nice kind you know people offered me places to stay or you know gave me places to stay in you know east texas in the panhandle uh el paso you know and anybody that ever asked you know a lot of people ask you what you're doing because you're you you don't see a lot of people coming through with a bike loaded down and uh you know they usually offer you water and uh things like that so you know it's most people are pretty you know friendly and nice kind um, you know, a couple people just kind of shake their heads like you're crazy, <laughs> but I mean, that's, that's as far as it went. Well, it's interesting, you know, like the way, I, I mean, I'm asking the question purely out of curiosity because like, I'm of the opinion that, you know, a lot of times like situations are inflamed to get a reaction and, you know, we're like just in this, this toxic media environment. I'm sorry. I know you're in the media, so I don't want to, <laughs> not, not all me, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, uh, we, we're all like ramped up to a thousand and sometimes I wonder like how much of it is just like stuff we're seeing, you know, and it's on the internet. And then, you know, you go out in the world and, you know, you go to the grocery store and everybody seems fine. And yeah. I mean, I know it's not fine everywhere, but you know what I'm saying? Like, right, I, yeah. you know, I, it's one thing to like, you know, listen to, you know, all these, oh, it's a, a hot political and a social climate. And okay, but what is it like really like to go out and ride your bike and interact with like tons of different people and, right. and stuff. So yeah, it's interesting. Like when you break it down, like people are generally, at least in, I grew up in Texas, so I actually don't, uh, right. haven't lived anywhere else to have any perspective, but 
you know, again, being a, a white dude in Texas, like I haven't, you know, yeah, yeah. Run, into, run into too many problems either. Yeah, I mean, and like, you know, pol- politically, socially, it's like m- the majority of the places I was in, you know, are, you know, it's like a red state zone, you know, like, it, yeah. except for like once you get to El Paso and then along the valley or along the, along the river. I mean, that, that's when it kind of turns, although it's the day after election. It kind of changed a little bit, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but I mean, other than that, you're basically in just a red state and you know i grew up in red state i went to school in red state i'm pretty comfortable around red staters my whole family are republicans so yeah me too uh, yeah my whole family is republican yeah. so so yeah yeah I, I guess i mean you're not a native texan you're a floridan but it is a similar um demographic let's say yeah. and, and political climate i mean i'm not an expert but you hear things and you're telling me so i believe <laughs> it's true <laughs> i'm in the media <laughs> i've thought about you know like i'm working on a route in east texas right now doing a race in east texas and i i wonder like what outsiders perspectives is going to be and if they're going to have the same comfortability with I don't know. Like to me, it's like I don't. I don't ever feel like if I see a big dually with the you know Trump sticker and stuff. Like you know, you, you just you. Sometimes you wave. Sometimes you don't. You just yeah. mind your own business. You just keep on going. Like daily occurrence. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's just what it is, right? Yeah. But I wonder. I I don't know. I'm I'm curious to see how. I think for us, it's just like yeah. But I mean, you saw like a lot of Texas. I mean, it's one thing to like grow up, but like, yeah. I mean, you were like. You were like all over, so yeah, I was what, all over, but I didn't see much. What was your uh, favorite place or or part of Texas? Um, I've been telling people like, I mean, it's city wise, I'd say El Paso, just because it's just a like a really big city that feels a lot different than the other big cities. You know, I've I've been to Dallas, San Antonio, Houston. It just feels a lot different. One, it's in, you know, it's in the mountains. You know, you have the it's like set set in the mountains, kind of like a Denver or something. Um, so it just it just seemed really cool, and I I would like to go back. Even though a lot of people have bad things to say about El Paso, I don't really know. Really, I've only heard good things. I was there for two days, so it seemed it seemed cool to me. So I want to go I've back been, there. You know, it's funny. I've never. Well, it's not funny. I would really like to go, but I've I've never been. And usually, when I say that, people are like, "Oh my gosh, you got to go." I've yeah. never heard any bad things. Yeah, but, Gu- Guadalupe Mountains National Park. It's right there. Really pretty. Yeah, um, so I mean, you just one trip right there. Okay. All uh, right. So that's your favorite city. Yeah, I've that, heard nothing but good things. Uh huh. Yeah, I liked it. I'd go back. The national park up there is great. We were we just camped one night there. I mean, I, I'd like to spend more time there, obviously. Um, and you but, can't you can't ride your bike there. No, it's it's not like Big Bend how there's like it felt different. Like you know, Big Bend is like expansive. You know, there's a lot of roads going through it. Yeah. Uh, Guadalupe just kind of like this piece tucked up in the top of the next to the uh, panhandle and um it just felt it felt a lot smaller but it you know it's really pretty have you been there before i hadn't been there before yeah did you camp there we camped there one night yeah oh, it, was nice. pre- it was pretty awesome it's on my bucket list too i know edward abbey wrote a lot about it and mm-hmm. um yeah it's just on the bucket list yeah <laughs> there's too many fa- places yeah i mean you know then obviously like and the, you know there, and there's also like you know how big bend has all those satellite towns around it, or not around it, but, you know, north of it. Yeah. So it kind of has, like, it's got a whole destination thing where the Guadalupe Mountains National Park doesn't have much around it. Okay. So I think it gets it gets forgotten a lot, but the actual park is really nice. All right. So your favorite town, What did you have a favorite, like, territory or area? Probably West Texas, just because it was the best weather overall. <laughs> you know, it's cool at night, you camp at night, and it's nice, and uh, it was dry. And then, you know, the terrain was varied, you know, it was, the roads weren't that great, but it was like challenging, but it was also the most rewarding riding of the, yeah. of the trip. I love that region. Uh, what was the, was the panhandle the worst or the? Panhandle was the worst. Yeah. <laughs> I hate to, I mean, it's like everybody like kind of knows that or would guess that, but I mean, yeah, it's just from what I saw, I wasn't in the center, so I don't really know. I was just on the edges. Right. Um, you only saw so what a lot you saw. Of, yeah, it's a lot of farms. I, mean, I went through a lot of farms, and the wind just was, like, horrible. That's what I was thinking, the wind, man. <laughs> yeah. I had one day on the on the way to Booker, Texas. Um, like, Booker, I guess, is the northernmost uh, city or town in, in Texas. And the day I got in there, I was, like, in a rough shape. I wanted to quit. And I was about halfway through. I think mostly I was dehydrated <laughs> at the end of the day. But I was just, like, this insane crosswind all you know, the last two hours of the day and it's like i felt like i was at a 45 degree <laughs> angle the whole time but i'm sure it wasn't that bad oh it was miserable uh, but it was bad and it was just gusting 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 and uh 
So when I got done with that ride, I just felt like shit. <laughs> what was the worst weather you experienced? And you can include wind. Yeah, it was wind. I mean, wind I, was I got no, I got one day a little bit of rain going to Paris. But I mean, that was the only day I even put on a rain jacket. Oh, wow. Um, and then one day it rained a little bit in the morning, but it was before I left and it, it stopped and it was fine the rest of the day. Wow. And uh, so no rain. I got really lucky. So just wind. Like I, I, one day in, uh, along the border... It was just like 25 mile per hour gusts in my face for 55 miles. It was yeah. just, it was the worst. <laughs> I think wind is, uh, yeah, I think wind is the worst. Yeah. And then the next day it was, and it shifted, it was behind me and it was the best day. <laughs> <laughs> that's so that's it, a good point. Wind could be the best or the worst. Yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> give and take. <laughs> so what did, I, I don't want to pronounce what you called the route because I'm going to mess it up, but what I did you call it? I mess it up too. <laughs> All right, perfect. Well, you mess it up. Okay, I'll mess it up. I call it uh, Vuelta de Tejas. And what does that mean? Like the Vuelta in, what they call it, the Vuelta España, or it's the big race in Spain. Okay. And uh, it's like the Tour de France. I don't know. That's not. It's actually where I got it from. My my brother-in-law came up with a name. I was like, "Oh, it sounds good." Like <laughs> around Texas, you know. But basically, that's the rough translation. Or, okay. You know, around Texas or the ride around Texas. Gotcha. Um. So just to give it a little different flair. <laughs> um. All right. I wanted to talk about your equipment, and you mentioned earlier, like you had your fixie for. Is your fixie like your only bike? Um, and then I'm, it, I was, it was kinda... my only. Well, I, I had a. I have an old Trek touring bike, which is not really in. My wife uses it right now, just around the neighborhood. So I've been riding that for a while. So I. I mean, yeah. The my fixed gear bike was like the only bike I rode. Oh wow. For like so why seven were you? Years. Why why fixed gear? When did that happen? And I just like the simplicity of it. Yeah. Basically, that's how it started. Why um, why is the simplicity of a fixed gear better than the simplicity of a single speed? Uh, single speed sounds good to me too. It sounds better. <laughs> okay. It just that uh, I don't know. I bought it. It was, you know, had a flip flop hub, and I, I rode single speed for a while. Then I was like, I don't know. I thought it was like a challenge or something. Yeah. Uh, so I switched it back. You know, I switched it over to a fix, and I, I just stayed on that. Okay. I just liked you know the ability to slow down without using your brakes, things like that. Right. Right. Um, I just got used to it, I guess. And now that you've ridden gears for a couple months, what are your feelings? Are well, you... I haven't ridden my fixed gear since I've been back, so <laughs> and uh, it needs a new chain. So I'm not sure if I mean I'm sure I'll go back. You know, the two bikes are like totally different as far as the way, oh, they, yeah. the way you sit on them and you feel on them, and besides the gearing, so it just feels weird to sit on that bike. Um, How long have you been back? I've been back. Let's see, um, five days. Oh man, how do you feel? I meant to ask you earlier <laughs> on. Good. I mean, I, I never like the only. I I guess they, people say like when you're on a big tour, what do they say? Like the first week or two weeks is kind of hard. But I mean, like, it, it depends. I've get, heard you, 500 miles. Yeah, by, you, from some people, it's like whatever. Then you like get in shape for the tour. Yeah, like you get in shape for the like, the, the yeah, ride. Yeah, you ride into shape. And I guess that's what happened because it, it was a little. But I started off easy because it started off in the in by the coast. It was all flat. Right. So that may have helped too. I just started off flat. You know, all you know, it was probably 400 miles of just flat riding, and then until I got up into the East Texas, and that's when the hills, you know, some hills started. By that point, I'd been riding, you know, a lot every day, so it didn't really bother me too much. Was that by design? I don't remember why I originally. I think I wanted to end along the border, like come down the border at the end. Um, well, you say you have family in Brownsville, too, I have family too, in right? Brownsville, yeah. Um, so that's why I started in Brownsville. Yeah, that makes, yeah. Um, and it ended there, but I can't remember the reason why I decided to go counterclockwise. But uh, I would want to live Big Ben for the end, I, yeah, I could imagine. Yeah, that might have been part of it. And well, you got, yeah, you, guys, riding, you got Guadalupe, El Paso, yeah. Big Ben, all to look forward to. As I was riding through, I was kind of happy that I did it that way because coming from the fr from the west to, to the east, riding east towards the Guadalupe Mountains, like all of the climbing is you go straight up. But for me, I was coming from the east towards the west, and it's a real gradual climb. So right. that suited me better. I think. <laughs> <laughs> did you like train for this, and how did you train? No, I just rode a lot. Like, just rode a lot. Yeah, I didn't, like no. I mean, I guess that's training. Just riding. What about as much training as for the carrying gear, the camping aspect of it? Did you have experience with that going into it? I mean, I had experience camping, but carrying gear, not really. I did some real small rides a few days before with, with everything on there. Like <laughs> a I mean, few days before. <laughs> I mean, real small rides. <laughs> uh, like from I was at Brownsville. I, I would ride from my in-laws' house 
to this little place that had beer at the front of the neighborhood <laughs> and back. And that's that, that was the whole ride. And that, and you felt good. You're like, yeah, I got I like, this. Well, this I good. got, I got this, Texas. Well, I think, yeah, I, I did figure it was flat for a long time, so I'd probably be okay. <laughs> it just is, you know, gradually builds up. So, well, how much do you, I mean, how much do you ride before going into this? I mean, were you riding, doing like trying to do like a hundred mile weeks or 500 yeah, yeah. mile weeks? I, I or was what were trying you? to get, I was trying to do like, trying to get up like 200 mile weeks. 200. Okay. Yeah. So, I did increase all my on your mileage. fixie, or did you transfer over to your geared bike? I got my bike, the salsa that I'm riding now. I got that in June, so that was what was that? That was like a three, few months, three, three months, yeah, like two, about two and a half months before I took off. So, so then from then on, I was riding that bike the whole time. I got you. All right. So, what bike was it? And yeah, what bike was it? It was I got a uh, salsa journeyman, like the Apex One. Oh yeah, Sarah had that bike. That was the first bike she got. Yeah. How did it do? It did, did well for me. Um, like I'm not real smart as far as beer, as bikes go. Beer, I'm good at beer. <laughs> as far as bikes go, like you know, my thought was I'm gonna get a one by because that's closer to a fixed gear bike. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, it's just less things to go wrong. Right, uh, that was my thinking behind it. And uh, like you know, then I only have one derailleur to worry about. That's why I ended up with this this particular bike. And you know, everything on it is pretty much how it came stock. Right. I put a um, was that a surly rack on the front. So I could carry some bags that I got from Drew. Shout out to Drew. Yeah, there you go, Drew. <laughs> so he gave me some panniers to carry in the front. So I was originally, originally going to do it on my fixed gear bike. So I'd, I'd already started buying like bike packing bags. Okay. So I had a saddle bag already. I had a frame bag. So I used all those on this bike when uh, when it came to it. Oh, it all converted over pretty easy. Yeah, yeah. It worked. I mean, the frame bag wasn't great, but I mean, it was fine. Yeah. What was your plan for sleeping? Like, was it? Did you have a plan or was it just my, like... My original plan was I was going to do a lot of camping. Like, I'm going to camp all the time. All right. Like, wild camp, whatever, any place I could find. That did, that kind of changed a little bit. I didn't do any wild camping, but that was kind of... My wife didn't really want me to no do it. No wild camping. No wild camping. Is that... So... Are you just saying that because you're being recorded? No. That, then I was also like, now that I'm writing about this for Texas Monthly, like... Like, I felt like it'd be kind of irresponsible to talk about yeah. wild camp. Like, maybe they wouldn't care. I don't know. Well, I just, I, not, I was just curious if it could be done without wild camping with the amount of private land, you know? That, well, that's that was, the other thing I was worried about. I mean, yeah. Like, I mean, where do you wild camp? I mean, maybe you'd be okay. I don't know. If you try to sleep somewhere and you get rustled in the middle of the night with a guy and your shotgun in your face, you know? Yeah. You never know. No, you don't. So, so since I was able to do this for Texas Monthly, I was... I slowly got out of the habit of thinking I was going to camp the whole time. Although I did, I camped about a quarter of the time where I could find, you know, like RV parks that let me camp. Some places along the way had like little parks in the middle of town where you could camp. And those were cool, like Canadian, Texas. But then a lot of times I, was, I would ended up staying in hotels. So I carried my camping stuff a lot for not many uses. <laughs> that's what, man, that's what I was just thinking. How much, do you know how much your whole kit weighed? It weighed a lot. Like, I mean, my, nobody the, knows the answer to that no, question. I, I think nobody wants to well, know. Yeah. So Sophia was like, you should weigh the bike. I'm like, I don't want to weigh it. I, like I have to carry it no matter what. Like it I'm not going to weigh it. Like it's, I'm not carrying, you know, I had to carry a laptop. Uh, so I had to work. Yeah. So that's why, that's why I had the panniers. Like, so I had to figure out a way to carry the laptop. So it was either that or could back, you do backpack. it without camping though? Like, could you do it and take a lot less gear, or do you just need the gear for you know what ifs and maybes and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, you, if you plan on not camping the whole time, I guess you couldn't. You wouldn't need that. But do you think it'd be done though? Like, would stay in hotels the whole time? Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you just, I didn't know how much resources there were along the way. I mean, I yeah, obviously mo be, most of the places. I mean, you know, ninety percent of the trip, there's places to camp, and that was one of the. When I say I had, I had kind of like a mental breakdown in Booker because part of that was I was dehydrated and also I was like really worried about where I was going to stay the next night because there was no RV parks, there was no camping, I mean there's no campsites, there was no motels in the town and I was kind of freaking out a little bit and then I was following this one kid that was going from, I kind of met online during this trip and he was riding from uh, Michigan to, he was doing the Route 66 route. Mm -hmm. And uh, he he sent me a message where he was like sleeping in a in a playground. And I was like, well, I guess if all else fails, I'll sleep in a playground tomorrow. And uh, but then someone ended up emailing me like, they, oh, there is a motel in town. And I own it, and you can stay there. Oh wow! But it's not on Google, 
and you you can only see it on street view but there's no sign for it <laughs> and then like one of my friends is like dude you're being catfish <laughs> be careful i was like no i believe him he sounds trustworthy and he was up, just like following your story and i think it, and i put i put it out there i said look i'm looking for a place in groover if anybody knows anything i think i remember that yeah, yeah. so someone that was following me i think con- used to live there and contacted them oh man yeah so it helped man, out so cool and uh and end up being a really nice motel. Yeah. <laughs> he just doesn't want anybody to stay there. <laughs> yeah, just not on Google for some reason. I don't know. I'm like, I should help you out with your SEO. <laughs> uh, did you have a lot of people that came out and rode with you throughout the throughout the trip? Not a lot, but I, I had um, two guys from Longview come out and ride with me from Marshall to Texarkana. And then I had Jared came Jared out. Jared Foster, yeah, yeah. Jared came out with one of my friends that lives in uh, Lubbock. My friend Sean said, I'm going to bring two guys. I go, okay, cool. Like, I just thought it'd be two other dads. I guess it was two other dads. But, <laughs> yeah. uh, and, uh, and then Jared, you know, I just I had started following Jared on this trip on Instagram. And then, so when he showed up, I was like, is that Jared, that Jared Foster guy? <laughs> and then you can see he's taking photos of my stuff. And I was like, and I met him. He's like, yeah, I'm Jared. And I was like, I think that's it. And I had to look, look him up. I was like, oh, that's, that's Jared Foster. <laughs> So uh, I was like, oh, yeah, we follow each other on Instagram. And he's like, yeah, yeah, I know. Uh, that's what he's, he's like, yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> he's like, yeah, that's why I'm here. <laughs> hey, Jared's a cool dude. He was uh, episode number three, I think, for oh, the yeah? podcast. He was, wow. You and him look look similar, too. Really? You could be brothers. Maybe. We are brothers. <laughs> Y'all are brothers. <laughs> Y'all found out on the trip. Yeah, like, oh, my God. <laughs> I Man, I wanted to come out and ride with you. My life was just crazy, and I also kind of wanted – to uh talk to you like after it was over to like get yeah. the full like part of me was like man it'd be cool to like go ride with them and see how it's going but i guess i could have like done that but my life's crazy because i'm moving and getting moving, divorced yeah. and all kinds of fun stuff so you know you gotta you gotta do That's what you gotta adventure. do <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah 2020 has been fun how did you hold up mentally so like it sounds like physically you did pretty well were you ever like fuck what am i doing i don't want to be here or just get bored yeah, any, or any, any of that any days that were wind i was thinking that the whole time but i mean the only real problem day was that day in booker when i finished in booker and i just felt like shit and i wanted to quit i wanted to go home <laughs> and after that i i would look for signs of my mind going there to that place you know at certain points i thought it was going there but never did so in after that, that, so that was about a halfway point. I was pretty much fine. Because, like, you know, after that, it was kind of, I'm on the down, you know, almost done, almost done, almost done. You kept getting closer and closer to the end. So yeah. that was really the only one time I had any mental issues with the with the ride. And in physical issues, I, 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 I was a little after that. My knee starts hurting, and I'm like, fuck. I'm like, and it kept getting worse and worse. Interesting. So I'm like, oh, damn, like. Like this I didn't want. Like, you know, I get, I get it if you like, just feel like you can't finish. But, like, I don't want to just not do it just because my knee starts like getting so bad or I right. can't ride. Right. But I don't know if that was. I don't know. That might have been a mental thing. Like, well, that's what thinking, I was about to thinking ask. Thinking about it the whole. Yes. Like, I'm thinking about every pedal stroke. I'm like, oh, that's my knee. That's my knee. Yeah. That's my knee. Yeah. And uh, but after I try to just put, you know, you put it out of your head, and then like I think it's, you know, it would hurt for like a week and then it kind of went away interesting so. yeah i was wondering when you were saying that if it was like the negative headspace or it whatever been, that yeah. was like <laughs> contributing i i don't know i mean i'm no freaking doctor but <laughs> i've talked to other people about that before and there's it seems like there's a correlation between like your mental state and your physical state sure. you know and if you can stay in a good mental place physically it's just going to go a little bit better and yeah, i don't yeah. i don't know what that connection is there so what was the biggest motivator to finish did you have like you know and things get tough like something that you would always like go to and be like all right i can't fucking quit um professional shame (laughs) (laughs) i mean yeah like i i mean it kind of was that like you know i kind of i think that's a legitimate i mean you committed to it you're like okay i'm leaving i'm gonna i'm gonna give you guys eight articles yeah and not it wasn't just the articles but just the idea that i was putting it out there yeah and even on instagram on what on facebook on whatever everyone that i knew knew i was doing this so I didn't want to not finish. I think that's a big motivator. I've only done one like big event. It was a 500 mile race and yeah, all the messages that you get and you know, uh-huh. people are watching your dot and yeah, you're just yeah. like, like, okay, I really, it, it does like lift you up and make you like want to push a little bit harder. Cause if you're just like, I, I, maybe I'm weak. 
I'm thinking about myself <laughs> and I'm like, if it was just me, I might quit, you know, but if I know that there's people right, like right. watching and like, you know, following and encouraging me and kind of like, expe- like you said, I'm going to do it. So mm-hmm. it's kind of like what you said you were going to do. Yeah. I mean, it's, and it's also like you just personally, you, know, you set that goal. I mean, I'm not, not that I'm great at setting personal goals and accomplishing them, but sometimes I am when I really want to do them. And yeah. uh, this is one that I really wanted to do. So. Well, it would suck to get like 80% yeah. there and then like have to go and do it again or something like that. Yeah, or like, like you know, I'll finish in two months and like, yeah, it's, it, that's cool, but it's not really what I set out to yeah. do. Was there anything that kept it from almost not happening? I mean, like surprisingly, it sounds like you went two months, 3,000 miles and like, did you even have a flat tire? <laughs> yeah, I had flat tires. And so I started off with the tires that it came with and they were uh, um, like Terravelle Cannonballs. And they're great. They're fine. You know, obviously not like the best road tire, which was I was doing road, you know, riding roads. And uh, but whatever, they're they're good enough. And but I should I should not have started because you know I'd already been riding them for almost three months. You know, around town here. Oh yeah. So they were kind of worn down by the time I started. And uh, so about halfway through the ride, I I had I had to get new tires. And I had just I had issues with. Uh, I told you I'm kind of bike dumb, so getting the tires on the freaking rims, like I could not, do, like I was having the worst time, and uh, you know I was tearing tubes, like I was riding, I was riding with tubes, okay, um, so I was tearing tubes, and so there were some issues with tires and things like that, but I mean nothing that stopped me from going. Do you regret not changing to tubeless before? <sighs> yeah, like um, a little bit, not really, um, but when I the. I went to a bike shop. Two guys from the bike shop. I forgot to say this. Two guys from the bike shop in Brownsville rode out with me the first day, and the, the owner of the bike shop, uh, JT Cycling. I went there the day before, to, like get some last minute things, and he's he's checking out my bike, you know, looking it over. I'm like, don't say anything bad. <laughs> and he's like, you're running tubes, and I go, yeah. He's like, why aren't you why aren't you doing tubeless? And I'm like, yeah. I don't know. Like I've never done tubeless. I didn't want to like start tubeless like on this right before I leave on a trip. And like I'm not, I don't know. I just. I wanted to stick with what I knew. Yeah, that's why. And then at the say, the guys that rode with me from from Marshall to Texarkana were saying the same thing to me. <laughs> and, then, and then I got I got that was my first flat that day. You're like guys, you don't understand. I'm bike dumb. I <laughs> yeah, know tubes. Hey. I know <laughs> how they work. <laughs> yeah, I was like, it's basic. And uh, so I got a flat, changed flat. So they were talking about tubeless, yada yada. yada. And then one of them gets a flat. David gets a flat. And he's like, no problem, you know, put my bacon strips in it and all this stuff. And I'm like, uh, <laughs> nope, didn't that's work. not going to work. <laughs> didn't work, didn't work. So he had to put a tube in it. And I was like, okay, there you go. <laughs> so, um, but I mean, yeah, then the, I had another guy ride with me in, in I, my friend here across the street here, uh, Jamie. Uh, he rode with me the whole trip uh, through Big Bend. And he, you know, he's riding tubeless. He had no problems. But that day he started riding with me in uh, Marfa. From there on, I never got a flat. So he was like, good luck. Um, oh, nice. I had like a weird issue somewhere in like the El Paso area where just having all kinds of flats, all kinds of problems. But then from, Mar- from Marfa to Brownsville, I had no flats. And I still haven't had a flat. So. Saddle sores? No, not, no, nothing like that. Were you wearing, we've been talking about this lately. Were you wearing uh, cameos or were you? I was, we- yeah. Okay. Um, so like, you know, but I was wearing like basic, they're just bike, there's, I was wearing like bike, tight bike shorts. And then I had a few pairs of uh, mountain bike with chamois in them. Okay. But I mean, yeah. So you just clean them every once in a while? Yeah, I just do a wash every once in a while. That's a good thing about staying in a hotel. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to see like how, have you been surprised by the reaction that you've gotten and the story has gotten? Because like, I mean, I'm kind of in the, I'm in the bike world. So it was on my radar early, early on. A lot of people were sending it to me and actually Drew told me about it. He was like, you gotta, you know, you're, I think you were leaving for the Texas trip, like the next day. And he was like, oh yeah, the other day I was going to his house to pick up the paneers. Yeah. To pick up the paneers for the trip. Did you uh, have to borrow any other gear or? Yeah. I borrowed a tent. From Drew? No, from, um, Carol. (laughs) I forgot, I forgot their last name. They're on Twitter. They, f- they follow me on Twitter. Okay. They were like, yeah, you can borrow my tent. So I'm yeah. like, cool. You know, it's crazy. Like, I mean, you ride, you ride a fixie around Austin and stuff, but like it really does show like pretty much anybody with a decent amount of fitness can just go buy a bike, throw yeah. some bags on it, like plan a route and go ride 3,000 miles. Like mm-hmm. it, it's like no totally <laughs> doable. <laughs> I don't know if I, I don't know. Is it? I mean, if, you, well, you, if you have the time, I think it's not that, I don't, I mean. It's really not that big of a deal. I mean, 
besides certain days, it wasn't that bad. I mean, yeah. it's just it's just if you have the time to put in and the desire, I feel like pretty much, I mean, I'm not super in shape or anything like that. So yeah, you're not a couch potato, but no, you're not yeah. like a super athlete. Or <laughs> right. Anything. No. Yeah. But I mean, I think if you just like, I mean, someone reads the story, like, you know, when I've actually, uh, Sarah was telling you about one of her clients that, uh, that was like just randomly talking about you, you know, and uh -huh. like people are like, like we'll see this this guy rode three thousand miles around the state of texas like holy <laughs> shit you know like i can't even drive my car across i mean that's probably what you hear more yeah, than yeah, anything i do that in a car <laughs> I, most people won't even do it yeah, in a true. car but uh but yeah i don't know i i think it's always neat to like try to put that in perspective and like like anyone can like go and do it just about if they if they want to all right so you can't go 3,000 miles, two months around the state of Texas without coming away with a few good stories. But what was your favorite story or interaction from the trip? It was kind of a boring trip, I'll tell you. Was that. it really? Like, no <laughs> craziness. I, that's, you know, everyone's like, you know, I was on a podcast two days ago. And they're like, you probably have some crazy stories. And I'm like, not really. <laughs> Everyone was nice. Um, I mean, you know, the craziest, I mean, not crazy, but just meeting some, like I met someone, I have ran into somebody in, uh, from work, you know, in, uh, in Lajitas. They're going rafting. I saw him. He's going to rafting. And I, we're at a, some gas station. We just ran into somebody. That, I mean, that's as crazy as it got. <laughs> I ran into somebody from Austin. <laughs> That's insane, and, man. Uh, you must have like really good luck, or I guess so. <laughs> you like avoided all the crazy people. Yeah, I didn't all, have any. I didn't, didn't have any no crazy people interactions. Didn't have any like crazy detours yeah. or anything. I, uh, it was really a boring trip. <laughs> where, did you get any like crazy reactions just from people? Like you know, I mean, you had to like pop into a gas station. I mean, I know we're all kind of avoiding people, and right. that might be part of it That's too. It's just of, yeah. like. And maybe, yeah, maybe that's it. It's just like we're all kind of avoiding each other, and even in North Texas, when they're where they're not, but they're, everyone kind of gives each everyone their space. But um, I mean, yeah, you had a lot of like, what? Oh, you're going around the state like oh, on a bike, blah blah blah. You know, there's a lot of disbelief, or you know, I, I think when you tell someone that, it doesn't really register. Like, like no, they okay. can't put it like in. what? It's like why? That's a big one. Why? <laughs> I'm like I don't know. I like to ride my bike. <laughs> that's a, that's the best answer you could give. Yeah. So and what's uh what's next for you? I'm wondering now that you've like cracked that egg with your employer. Like if you're <laughs> you're like all right, you did one. What else can we do? That's my beat. <laughs> <laughs> that's your beat. Yeah. Um, definitely want to do more. Not two month rides. That's for sure. I don't think I I don't have that much uh, freedom anymore. Um, not for a while anyway. Any other but, states? I mean, I thought about it. I mean, like, what if I started doing this two two states a year? <laughs> but then, like, that's kind of just... I mean, riding around the state is kind of dorky anyway. You're just doing it to end up with a, a drawing a at the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like, oh, check this out. I got that it's not like you're going to a destination or yeah, looking at I mean, something pretty. It's, it's or... just like a challenge, I guess. And challenges are kind of funny sometimes. It's not a race. It's not. There's no, like, prize money or anything like that at the end. I don't know. Like, yeah, I thought about doing states. Like, I mean, or just doing states that mean something to me, like Florida. I wonder, If I were going to do a state next, I'd do yeah. Florida. Yeah. Um, and that'd be a lot easier than Texas. Yeah. A lot, <laughs> a lot of beach time. <laughs> yeah, you just camp on the beach every night. It'd be yeah, nice and easy. flat. Depends on which way you're going. I guess you'll have a wind to deal with. Yeah, I don't know how the winds work down there. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, the, like, I, there's one ride that we we want to do um, called the Saint Saint to Saint ride, and there's a bre it's from between two breweries. One Saint Elmo in Austin, ride to Saint Arnold in Houston. Okay. So whatever that, you know, it's 150 miles or something like that. Yeah, that'd be a good beer camp, ride. Camp in the middle, you know. Yeah, that'd be a good beer ride. Yeah. Sign me up for that one. <laughs> That should be when, a fun one. When that, when's that one going That's down? That's 2021, I All think. Right. That's the plan. Yeah, I think everyone's planning for 2021. How has the reaction been from you doing it? Has everyone been, like, real supportive, or did anybody give you shit for doing this during COVID or anything? No, surprisingly. Again, that's my good luck, I guess. <laughs> um, <laughs> the, the reactions... The Your home <laughs> life must be absolute shit. That's I'm it's kidding. great. <laughs> I, I have the best life. <laughs> the uh, the um, the funniest reaction is people they just, you know, like on Instagram or something like, yeah, um, I knew someone that did that in 1984. You know, it's like, okay, really? <laughs> like, you know, I, I never believed him. Someone, someone the other day said, Someone did that. A group of people did that. They're called like 
G-E-T or like, it's like initials or something. And I looked it up and it was a motorcycle ride. I'm like, oh, well, yeah, yeah, people riding around on a motorcycle. Uh, it's not the same thing. I called a, uh, I'm working on a, a little camping, uh, bike packing trip. And I called this facility and I said, hey, I'm, you know, I got, you know, some cyclists were going to come in, you know, how many? And I told them we were coming from like 75 miles away. And they're like, oh, you know, they're like, man, there's some other cyclists that do that every single year. And I started talking to her. I'm like, are those motorcycles? And she said, yeah. yeah. I said, no, no, we're, we're riding our bikes. And she's like, oh, okay. Yeah, I think I, I had a, a few, when I show up, they're like, oh, you're on a bicycle. Like when you called us last night, we thought you were coming in on your motorcycle. Yeah. Like, yeah no. Well, people just don't expect yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. It's just not what you expect to like see a guy roll up right. on a freaking bicycle, especially like some of those remote places in North and West Texas. It's just oh, like, yeah. what are you doing out here, buddy? Yep. What you doing? All right. Well, it's a beautiful day in Austin. I think we should, uh, I'm going to go ride my bike, enjoy a sunset ride. Where do you like to ride around here? Where's your favorite place to go ride? I mean, I like riding the neighborhood, but I mean, to get outside the neighborhood, I like going north of here and kind of ride and you can ride to the new sweden church if you want a real good ride is it what is, kind of roads is it it's like farm to market road kind of like kind of back back roads how many miles i don't know what the shortest distance they, like from there and back it's kind of it's like 40 miles that's kind of a long ride yeah i just want to drink a beer and watch the sunset yeah then i would go you could ride ladybird you could ride to uh, oddwood which is that you know just south of here oddwood yeah what's that you just go through through the neighborhood here. It's a uh, brewery that has a little patio. Oh, in Texas where you can do that. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, you can't do that everywhere in the world right now. But LA just opened up their breweries. I no think. way. Yeah, Did they I really? Just, I just saw that online. Oh, my gosh. LA's coming back. Holy crap. We thought we lost them. <laughs> they were sh- they've been shut down well, maybe forever. Maybe LA or all of California. It's probably just LA. So I well, think San Francisco's back. Last question. How hard is it to be back in quote unquote regular life job family all that has it been like a tough transition it's mostly easy but you know i came back when the kids had already started school and so they're at school at home so you know there's already this sophia my wife had already set up a regimen of these what they do every day or how they're you know what, what she already knows what classes are in it what each time and like i just don't know that yet so i'm kind of picking that up as i go along and that's probably been the hardest part getting back just get in on a routine. Yeah. You haven't been on a routine except for pedal. Yeah, just pedal. get on ride. <laughs> Wake up when I, I guess, when I, you want to get up too late because then the wind started. It's got to be a hard mental shift, you know, to like go from like, I don't know. I mean, you don't, you're not communicating with a partner and you don't have like, I guess you were still kind of like, you're still working a little bit, but yeah, it's a, a big, bit. big shift. It's got to be. Yeah. It's, it'd be, it'd be probably be bigger if we were still in the office, but you know, just that's kinda, true. Kind of coming back and just working from my house. Yeah. So. It's weird. Yeah. Of course I work from home all the time. I have two self-employed jobs, so I, that's normal for me, but I guess like most people it's like, yeah, yeah. Like working from home is just, it, it is weird. Like you just always go to the same place. So it's just like, yeah, yeah you're working there, but I go from just... the bed to the seat in my room. <laughs> Nice. All right, man. Well, anything we didn't cover that you want to get out there? No, I think that's it. Just go read my uh, Texas Monthly articles if you want to hear more, I guess. Yeah, definitely. I actually haven't read them yet for the same reason you didn't listen to the yeah. podcast because uh, I just I, I wanted to like hear the story fresh from your mouth. So like I followed you on Instagram and uh-huh. like kind of kept up that way, but I didn't read a single article. So now I'm going to have to go back and actually read how the experience was. It's probably just like Instagram because the way I would write them is I'd look back at my Instagram <laughs> posts. <laughs> I'd think about the photos and then I'd write it off of that. <laughs> All right, bud. Well, thank you for coming on, man. Appreciate it. And congratulations on being the first legitimate verified person to circumnavigate the state of Texas on a bicycle. Yeah. I I told Eric he's going to do it in like 25 days. Is he planning to do it? I don't know. (laughs) But if he he did, he's going to crush my time so who's next but it's you got to be first though who's first yeah first is something (laughs) all right bud have a good one thanks later all right all right thank you everybody for tuning in today and thank you to aaron for coming on the podcast it was a great chat and congrats again on your accomplishment i don't care what anybody says you were the first you did the real route everybody knows it bikes or death officially approved for what that's worth All right, well, I mentioned at the beginning of the episode how I had an opportunity for content creators or wannabe content creators. I guess I was a wannabe podcaster, and I think it would be unfair to say I'm a wannabe. I guess I do have a podcast now, but I mentioned that I'm rolling out a new website. 
And as a part of that website, there's going to be a blog component where not only will I be sharing some of my own thoughts via blog, not as much as the podcast, but if I have something I want to share, hey, it's my website, I'll throw it up there. But more importantly, what I'm interested in is finding articles from y'all, videos, art, articles, how-tos, and the topics can be so varied. But I think my niche, I want to stay in that appeal of the 95% of us or whatever it is who can't go to Kyrgyzstan or Europe or you know do the tour divide and all these epic trips. I think those articles and all that content is wonderful. I love to go through it, but where I think Bikes for Death can fill a niche and where I'm kind of comfortable is in some more content that's more relevant to maybe the wider majority of people who do this kind of stuff or want to do this kind of stuff. So just to give you an idea of some topics that I am interested in just to get the juices flowing, beginner trip reports, first time bikepacking, bikepacking how-tos, mental health in the outdoors, route planning and building, being an adventurous partner and or parent, bikepacking with kids, bikepacking without all the newest, lightest, coolest gear, etc. Okay, so those are just a few that I uh, wrote down real quick before I sat down to uh, record this, but hopefully that gives you an idea. I mean, it doesn't need to be the most glorified trip and the most epic video edit. I mean, I do obviously want to have quality and I want it to be good information. Anyway, we can get into the weeds with all the particulars if you fancy yourself interested. But like I said at the beginning, the number of requests I have to share stories greatly outweighs my ability to conduct all those interviews. I mean, I would have to do several a day. I'd have to be like a Joe Rogan uh, making it my full-time job, which is great. It just tells you that there is an infinite number of like potentially amazing, awesome guests, humans that are worthy of interviewing. But in an effort to reach a broader audience to share more stories, I want to offer this component on the website to hopefully serve that purpose and tell some stories that I'm not able to tell on the podcast. Plus, it's all good. Ultimately, I love advocating for cycling. I love advocating for the outdoors and making Bikes or Death into a resource for beginners, for newbies, for people who are unsure is very appealing to me. So, Oh, the other thing I forgot to mention is routes. If you have a route that you want to uh, put out there, let's talk about that too. I've been talking to a couple other people and we've been working on routes just to um, make it easier for people to access the outdoors. You know, I don't want to take away all the adventure. I think there should definitely be some adventure, but providing a good route, providing some good information articles and some good stoke to the people to get them fired up, get them out there on bikes. I am all about that life. So if you um, have something that you would like to submit to me, the new website's going to be rolling out in about two weeks from now. So yeah, we're looking to get some content up there. If you're not wanting to do it here in the next two weeks, this is a crazy time. This is going to be an ongoing thing. So if you hear this a year from now and, and you have an idea and you want to shoot it to me, please do. Hit me up via email. You can send an email to bikes at bikesordeath.com and... We'll check it out. Thank you so much. All right, everybody. I hope you're doing well. Again, it is an absolute beautiful day here in Texas, 70 degrees, sunny, and I can't think of anything I'd rather be doing than riding my damn bike. You load up your bike, you ride away from home. You could be with your friends or you could be alone. You ride for a day or maybe more. You just love being in the great outdoors. Everything you need is strapped to your boss, including that new pillow you got from Santa Claus. And then you think, oh shit to yourself. You let that super lightweight tent on the living room shelf. Bikes. 